welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday show, our last show of the first week of the NBA playoffs. Uh, first of all, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, um, both new and experienced listeners alike. Uh, either way, we appreciate having you here. It's going to be a great show. We've had a very exciting last uh, couple days of playoff action for you, and um it's uh we're we're just gonna dive right into it. That's uh that's all we're gonna say. We're gonna jump into Wednesday's game. So we're gonna recap Wednesday and Thursday's action, uh three games apiece on both days. And we're gonna start with Wednesday, uh the first game on that slate, which was game two of the Grizzlies and the Lakers in Memphis. And uh the Grizzlies able to come out on top, tie that series one game to one. Uh, 103 to 93, the final score in this one. Game three will now be in the in Los Angeles, but the Lakers have already put themselves in a good position, of course, with winning at least one on the road. They now hope to win both at home and put themselves in a position to uh, be one game away from finishing the series. But the Grizzlies, you know, did good to bounce back in game two, uh, especially with the absence of some key players. Um, we'll get into that in just a moment here. Uh, firstly, talking about the flow of this game, the Grizzlies really controlled the game throughout. Um, not They didn't get too far out in front of the Lakers, uh, but they held a consistent lead um, right from you know mid-first quarter onwards. Um, they were able to keep that lead going. So they, they had a great overall team game, and they had some great standout performances from some key players. Uh, in this particular matchup. Firstly, looking at the box score for the Lakers, uh, LeBron James everywhere in this game, 28 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, a steal and a block. Um, One of eight from three, maybe just a touch off there, but otherwise pretty solid all around. Uh, 20 points, five rebounds, two assists from Roy Hachimura coming off the bench. He was their second leading scorer. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis, uh, 13 points, nine rebounds, five blocks and three assists. Um, He was below 30% from the floor on the night. Tough night for him. Austin Reeves not able to meet uh, the the game that he had in game one, 12 points, five rebounds, four assists, and this one just a little bit off. Uh, Those were their double-figure scores. Um, You know, some less than stellar games from a couple of guys. um, And outside of Hachimura, not a wealth of scoring off the bench outside of uh, seven points from Malik Beasley. Meanwhile, for the Grizzlies, um, they're able to just get a little bit more balanced attack. And it was started by Xavier Tillman, you know, and uh, I got to give him credit. Uh, A lot of people, including me worried about the front court depth uh, for the Grizzlies. Um, When I've said that, and this is going to be convenient now that he's had a nice game, but truly I, um, I've really respected Tillman's ability to, you know, kind of do just enough to allow the Grizzlies to get by. Uh, But he did more than that in this game. So props to him. I mean, 22 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, good percentages all around. I mean, not really um, a huge, I mean, statistically the, the blocks and the steals not there, but I mean, he was solid all around all night credit to him. Um, And uh, you know, that's going to be big if he can fill those shoes of a, of a Steven Adams, you know, pick up the boards and the occasional points uh, in his absence, you know, then they've got a much better chance than I had kind of 
um, summarized and other people had summarized uh, previously in our kind of previews of this series. So that, you know, again, props to him, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. He had uh, a phenomenal all round game. Um, despite not the greatest percentages, 18 points, nine rebounds, three assists, three blocks and a steal everywhere on the floor, um, doing a bit of everything, 17 points, four rebounds and an assist for Desmond Bain. Tyus Jones did all right uh, in his, you know, reserve role, uh, you know, filling in for John Morant, 10 points, eight assists, six rebounds and a steal. Pretty decent all round percentage is not great, but still uh, 12 points, three assists for Dylan Brooks. He was mainly focused, of course, on the LeBron matchup, uh, 13 points off the bench for Luke Kennard, along with six rebounds. Um, so, again, you know, Tillman was the best piece here overall. Jackson right there with him. And uh, they were able to just, you know, take advantage of some off nights for the Lakers guys. Um, but when I say that, I really don't want to you know, deny credit to the Grizzlies because they had solid all round performances. Uh, you know, they had a great team play going um, Their, you know, effort on the rebounding edge. Uh, They're able to out, out rebound the Lakers. Uh, they moved the ball a little bit better. Um, and, uh, you know, both teams did not shoot great from the floor overall, but the Grizzlies did shoot better and uh, they were able to claim the victory. So, again, props to the Grizzlies. Uh, they did earn this victory. I mean, they were without John Morant, so it's not like um, they had the easiest roads. Even with some Lakers having off nights, they needed to have a great game, and they did have a great game. So congratulations to the Grizzlies. They've tied up that series. Um, going forward, you know, John Morant is going to continue to be an important part of this series as far as when is he going to be able to return to play, and that can really shape this. Um, you have to think that um, going into Los Angeles, if the Memphis Grizzlies do not have John Morant, uh, that's going to be very tough to steal one of those games. Uh, the Lakers have a good chance to take both. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but then, of course, also, you know, we're all keeping an eye on the the Dylan Brooks-LeBron situation. Of course, that was the direct matchup. Uh, and it's been interesting on the court, off the court, um, Dylan Brooks, the instigator, and LeBron really not giving people much else to add to this whole situation. Um, I, you know, all sorts of hot quotes. He he's calling LeBron old, um, saying he pokes bears, doesn't respect anyone until they come in and give him forty. Uh, prides himself on what he does. Um. You know, and I honestly, I respect it as far as, um, you know, he's just going to he's going to focus on what he individually needs to do in terms of giving the Grizzlies the best chance to try and win the series. And he's his best role on this team is, um, you know, an agitator, a guy that can um, get under the opponent's skin, especially that defensive aspect. He's not the most pure defender as far as, you know, innate um, ball hawk abilities, shot blocking abilities, um, but he is a very solid all around defender and he's especially great at the hustle game. He can bring the physicality. Um, and again, he, he really loves this, you know, trying to play this psychology mental game 
Um, the effectiveness of, of it against a guy like LeBron in his 20th season, who's won multiple championships, you can debate it. Um, it's probably easy to say, especially with LeBron's lack of reaction and his stats in that game too, even though it was a loss. Um, it's probably not having the biggest of impacts, but I can't deny any sort of impact. Um, otherwise, you know, it's it's interesting to see, again, LeBron is really not giving any sort of fuel to this. Um, you know, the reporters ask him about it, no comment. Uh, he, but it is worth mentioning he did cut his uh, interview short uh, at their the Lakers training uh, in one of their practice, you know, shoot around sessions, cut the, the interview questions short. So if you want to read into it, maybe you can do that. But um, otherwise, you know, that'll be interesting going forward, seeing that matchup in Los Angeles, um, seeing how the Lakers respond after a loss. That's going to be great to watch for. So uh, definitely something to keep your eyes eyes out on. But um, for the time being, let's go ahead and jump into our next game from Wednesday's action. And this was the bounce back game for the Milwaukee Bucks, winning at home 138 to 122, similar to the Grizzlies, um, doing what they can to rectify the game one loss at home. Uh, they win game two, big, big win, big performances. And again, they were without their key star, of course. The Grizzlies without John Morant, the Bucks without uh, Giannis and Dunacumpo in this one. Um, the difference is, you know, we generally a little bit more expect the Bucks, especially what they've done this season in times where Giannis has already been out. Um, we expect the Bucks to have those bigger games from their co-stars just because it's a little bit more of a talented roster, more of an experienced roster, generally speaking. Um and the other difference is the Bucks especially responded. I mean, they led this game uh, 10 points or more for the whole, you know, mid-second quarter onward, uh, most of it leading by 15 points or more. Big response. They led by 36 points at one point uh, in the third quarter. Huge game for them. Uh, you look at the Heat. Jimmy Butler did not have a bad game. He was actually pretty solid all around. 25 points, three rebounds, three assists. Um and they had a number of guys uh, contributing in double figures. Adebayo with 18 points. Uh, Gabe Vincent with 16. 15 each for both Caleb Martin and Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. 14 for Duncan Robinson. Um, you know, they were stealing the ball. They were shooting well. Um, outside of Cody Zeller, none of the guys were rebounding super well. Um, and that could have been a factor, but uh, the Bucks just had a, a lights out game and a great all round game. You know, a lot of guys picking up for the absence of Giannis, uh, mainly Brooke Lopez, 25 points, um, only four rebounds to assist, but he did grab two steals and a block that defensive impact, that inside scoring, that kind of low post old school style of basketball, you know, great play to, to help out the team there. Uh, Drew Holiday, 24 points, 11 assists, five rebounds, you know, scoring and assists that, you know, that's where his bread and butter is at. Great job there. Uh, 22 points off the bench for Pat Connaughton, uh, kind of in my mind, one of the more underrated pieces of this Bucks, um, lineup, particularly the depth they have, 
Uh, 17 points for Joe Ingles, who also got two steals. Jingle and Joe, you hit five three-pointers on the night, along with Pat Connaughton's six three-pointers. Um, and we'll talk about the threes in just a moment. Um, yeah, love to see Jingle and Joe contributing. Would love it more if he was still in Utah, of course, but uh, glad to see him on a you know hopefully contending type of team for their sake. Uh, Chris Middleton and Grayson Allen each had 16 points. They also hit some threes, uh, respectively. And Bobby Portis, 13 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and a steal. Um, you know, the scoring was a bit more spread out, but otherwise he really picked up. Uh, we know he's capable. You know, he picked up those responsibilities that normally uh, Giannis would be, you know, responsible for the big rebounding, uh, some playmaking, the defensive numbers. Brooke Lopez also great defensively. And again, a great all-round team win for this Bucks lineup. And they also, in the process, I mean, we mentioned the Heat had a solid game. And so to have that margin of victory, you have this great all-round basketball. You have multiple huge point, you know, great point contributors. But you also have a bit of NBA history. Uh, they hit 25 total three-pointers in this game compared to Miami 16. Um, but that 25 number, that ties an NBA playoff record. So they were lights out from three-point range, a big part of what it, what allowed them to win this game. Going into game three, though, that's a tough situation. And um, uh, we'll mention it with the news. Giannis is questionable for game three. And if Giannis does not play, they're back in Miami. Miami's now, you know, they're they're with the program as far as, okay, it's actually playoffs. You know, you're going to have packed stands. You're going to have the you know, a great home court atmosphere in Miami. Um, you got to win at least one of those if you want to keep this series within reach. Um, so that's going to be a tough ask for Milwaukee in general. I think uh, that's going to be a tough, uh, tough game. Uh, you know, of course, you hope Giannis is back for their sake, um, but it'll be interesting to see. But otherwise, great all round game for Milwaukee uh, to be able to bounce back, tie up that series. Finally, we go to Denver for game two of that series. This was our final uh, game two. Uh, Thursday, we started with the game threes and a bunch of series. Um, and this final game two in Denver, uh, the Nuggets get another win. So they won both their home games. They're now going into Minnesota uh, tonight. Actually, we'll have the, the recap of that game on on Monday's show. But um, game three in Minnesota, but they, they got the job done at home 2-0. Now their job is to try and just win one in Minnesota. Uh, but yeah, the Nuggets win 122 to 113 Monday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night. And uh, J- Jamal Murray, huge part of this. But credit to the Timberwolves. You know, the Nuggets got off to another big lead um, second quarter, and the Timberwolves had a huge third quarter to fight back, um, you know, really kind of finally arrive in this series after game one was a pretty big letdown. Um and the first half of this game looked like it might be another big blowout win for the Nuggets, but the Timberwolves, uh, they were able to figure it out at halftime, um, had their best run of the series so far, even took the lead late third quarter. And it was close through you know early part of the fourth quarter, but then the Nuggets uh, able to really take charge late and regain that big bigger lead and win the series. Looking at the scores for the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, huge in this game. 41 points, four assists, two rebounds, but also three blocks and two steals. The defensive numbers that he's able to put up in these key playoff games is what I really love to see. Um, If he's going to be someone the Timberwolves hope elevates from just being 
you know, an all-star, one of the league's top 30 or 40 players uh, or 20 or 30 players to being one of the league's top 10 players, you know, in top five, you know, your, your Giannis's, your LeBron's, uh, you know, Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic. These are guys that have multifaceted games and that are well-developed in, in, in all of those facets. And this is great to see for an Anthony Edwards because obviously he can score very well. His shooting percentages have continued to rise. He becomes a great shooter along with a great scorer. Um, But those defensive impacts, you know, those great two-way players, that's where you get into some of the greats um, in, you know, in any era, let alone of all time. And, And I'm just saying as far as if they hope he can become that guy, you know, that's going to be a big part of his game. So uh, great to see that uh, they had the rest of their starters were in double figures, um, 19 points for Rudy Gobert, 12 for Torian Prince, 10 for Carl Anthony Towns and 14 for Mike Conley, 10 points off the bench for Kyle Anderson. Uh, you know, not to pile on too much. Carl Anthony Towns, again, 10 points, 12 rebounds, good rebounding, but the points definitely tough, tough shooting night all night. And that's going to be a big factor if he can't get those points for them. Um, and that's really going to dictate whether this series is, you know, somewhat competitive or the Nuggets are able to take kind of a, an easier series win. Um, important to keep my, you know, keep your eyes on that. Um, and Denver, you know, they had their own 40 point score. Jamal Murray, 40 points, five assists, three rebounds, two steals. Um, kind of that quintessential scoring point guard type of a line, getting some assists, but mainly the points coming, you know, from his end, um, nearly 60% from the floor, six of 10 from three, um, made eight of his nine free throws. I mean, lights out scoring Jokic, great supporting play though, 27 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Um, you know, that one, two combination. And this is what we've kind of hoped for with Denver. Jamal Murray seems like he's pretty much back uh, from those injuries that kept him out for so long. Jokic playing at an MVP level. If you have that consistently, this is a team that we've kind of seen and thought this could be a championship contender, especially in the West. Um, Now you're finding that groove that's going to put you in that type of position and they just have to deliver because they've got the great supporting pieces around them. We've got, Michael Porter Jr., who had a great second half. He had 16 points on the game, six rebounds. Aaron Gordon, love his play alongside Jokic, 12 points, 10 rebounds in this one. Uh, Caldwell Pope didn't score very much, which, you know, normally expect him for maybe, you know, 14, 15 points. He only had eight eight points in this game. Um, And then you have those bench pieces, you know, Jeff Green with 11 points in this game, kind of showing his agelessness a little bit. Bruce Brown, nice piece. And there was a bunch of guys that are a big part of their depth that did not play. Uh, so still a great win for Denver and really encouraging signs as far as, you know, assuming they're able to win this series, which they're in a great position to do so. Um, if they move on to a second round series and after that they get to a conference finals, you know, being able to take care of business, you know, meet the expectations they've had over the last couple seasons that's huge for that. So again, a great win for Denver um, as they move on to game three, that was your Wednesday action. Let's jump to Thursday where we had our first set of game threes uh, in a bunch of series, starting with 
probably the most wild playoff game we've had early here in this year's playoffs. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers going into Brooklyn against the Nets, winning game three, 102 97, or 102 to 97. Uh, to win that series or win that game, they put themselves up three to zero in a position to win the series, barring a massive collapse. But, um, you know, it sounds simple when you paint it like that, but this is one of the most wild series of events we've had in, in recent memory. Throughout this game, um, ejections, flagrant fouls, it was, you know, emotions were on full display. On both sides, teams were really invested in this. It was clear the Nets were, you know, I mean, they've been competitive in both games already, both prior games. But this game, the Nets really wanted to win this. They wanted to tie up the series, get both these home games. They wanted to make this a series, you know, let alone try and win the series. Um, But the Sixers responded in turn. You know, they, they showed they were ready to you know, leave their mark on the series and, uh, you know, win it in, in the best fashion, the most dominant fashion that they can attempt to do so. And, um, but again, wild stuff we had, uh, firstly, a flagrant one on Joel Embiid after a kick on Nick Claxton, uh, the center of the Brooklyn Nets, um, people thought and, justifiably so probably could have been an ejection on Embiid's part basically you know your typical battle of the bigs inside Embiid goes down Claxton's kind of standing over him a bit and then Embiid gets a kick upwards kind of towards the uh, the groin region um you know easy call for a flagrant one again could have easily been a flagrant two uh, but he's able to stay in the game um you know, with some free throws for for Brooklyn's trouble. Meanwhile, uh, a little bit later in the game, Harden gets tangled up with Royce O'Neal. He, um, you know, O'Neal's guarding him close. He's guarding him tough. Um, Harden gets a push off, which we've seen in the past with not just him, uh, but he's been a a guy we've seen a lot from. Um, you know, push off with the the left arm as he's trying to drive right. The push looks to be kind of similar to the Claxton situation, a little bit lower, you know, lower stomach, maybe groin area. Uh, O'Neal goes down pretty quickly. He was pretty shaken up. And um, the refs respond with a a flagrant two and an injection for Harden. And, um, you know, I think watching back, you know, Reggie Miller doing the color commentary, of course, for uh, for TNT probably pretty on the mark as far as um, or, or not certainly not far off base with his comment of uh, seems almost like a makeup call. You know, they didn't eject Embiid, but we have another flagrant, you know, kind of a situation. Maybe we make up for it with a, um, you know, a, an ejection of James Harden here. You don't want to assume that refs think that way. And certainly we don't know for sure, but um, it kind of adds up in some ways. Um that's all we can say again, you know, just hypothesizing, you know, talking out loud, whatever it is. And then after that, Claxton gets ejected um, and not for any kind of flagrant, but this time just, you know, technicals and the unsportsmanlike um, interpretation of the referees. 
gets a, a big play inside, you know, scores on Embiid, gives him a flex of the muscles, and then he's out of there. Um, so a lot of, you know, big calls, taking players in and out of games. Um, one player that's in that could be argued he should have been out. One player out that could be argued he should have been in. Wild stuff. Again, huge emotions on both sides. Late in the game, uh, Brooklyn leads it. You know, they lead um, with just a few minutes to go by about five points, you know, four, three or five points. They've they've held a lead throughout the third and fourth quarters. And the Sixers respond late, uh, showing a bit of that moxie, uh, one of Rich Eisen's favorite words, uh, going with the football Um media member but you know showing the moxie showing the the grit and also the the confidence and it was Tyrese Maxey um along with Embiid who had the big plays late Maxey able to score uh some big threes drive inside you know scored I think about eight points in that final stretch to help get the Sixers in the lead and then you know, Nets driving in to try and, you know, cut the lead, maybe tie, you know, I forget the exact score situation and bead with a huge rejection, big defensive play keeps the Sixers up miscommunication on an inbound for the Nets leads to an easy Sixers score a little bit later. Uh, and that was with just a few seconds left and that sealed the win for the Sixers. So um, it wasn't a runaway game. None of these three games have been runaways for the Sixers, but they have showed poise for the most part you know um there's been the physical play but especially in the last quarters of these games they've shown that poise to to maintain levels of play to elevate their play to you know uh to come from behind to maintain a lead they've been impressive and uh props to them but also props to brooklyn keeping this competitive they you know did not give up a fight at any point in in this game or the series, uh, and it's easy to expect a tough game four, um, which I believe is Saturday. Um, as far as box scores in this one for Brooklyn, uh, Mikael Bridges, twenty six points, continues to lead their scoring efforts. Six rebounds, five assists, a steal, and a block. The defense, the scoring, he's been phenomenal ever since he got to Brooklyn. Uh, 20 points, 7 assists, 2 steals for Spencer Dinwiddie. 18 points for Nick Claxton with 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. And Cameron Johnson, 17 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Again, those key guys all played fairly well. Hard fought, low percentages. Um, The Sixers were a better shooting percentage team on the night. um, And, you know, just had a little bit better overall play. Um, Harden you know, despite being ejected in that, uh, you know, second half, 21 points, five rebounds, four assists, pretty good percentages all around, uh, 25 points for Tyrese Maxey. He led them in scoring again, had those key late baskets to help give them the victory. Tobias Harris with 15.7 rebounds and Embiid with the best overall game, only 14 points, but 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks and a steal. The defense, the rebounding, um, able to make up for a bit of an off shooting night um, to help give them the victory. Plus, they got 13 points, um, two rebounds, and three steals off the bench for DeAnthony Melton. 
guy who a lot of times throughout the year started. Max, he was kind of the sixth man. Now those roles have been reversed. Melton bringing that more defensive edge off the bench with some scoring capabilities. Um, and again, great win for the Sixers. Again, they lead 3-0. And now Saturday, they'll see if they can complete a sweep. The Nets will look to avoid the sweep. Uh, should be competitive either way. Great game for a Really looking forward to that. Let's jump to the second game from Thursday's action. And that was the uh, Golden State Warriors hosting the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors down two games to zero. They respond without Draymond Green with a win, 114-97. to 97. Steph Curry, another solid game. And he has been electric this whole series, whether they've won or lost. Um, you know, tough game for the Kings. They did not lead at any point in this game. The Warriors just steadily built a lead, expanded the lead, um, and they played a great game. Props to them. Uh, firstly, for the Kings, you know, the Aaron Fox continued to be very good, 26 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, two steals. Phenomenal all-round game. Uh, percentages, pretty good, touch low, but still great game. 17 points for Harrison Barnes, 15 points, 16 rebounds for Demonis Sabonis with four assists and two steals. Great to see he's still able to contribute that uh, all-star level of basketball um, with the Bruce Sternum. Uh, we poured on that on Wednesday, so great to see him still playing well. 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block for Kevin Herter. Those four guys all had decent games, you know. Sabonis and Fox especially played, you know, the level of basketball we can kind of expect from them. Barnes was hitting threes, you know. It, they didn't really fail in that aspect, you know. They they had a tougher shooting percentage night from three as a team. Uh, the bench scoring was maybe a factor. They didn't have a, a great wealth of bench scoring. Uh, nobody above, you know, five points individually off the bench uh, for them as far as points. So that's probably a factor. You know, Keegan Murray uh, as a starter, only six points, five rebounds, um, one of five from three. Herter was one of six from three. Tough shooting all round. Uh, Monk. Only four points. That's probably a big factor. I mean, he had he had huge scoring totals in the previous games. Lyles and Mitchell had had some scoring. Uh, Lyles with only two points, five rebounds in this one. So, um, and that's a little bit understandable. You know, you're going into uh, San Francisco now, um, but the 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 Bay Area, the Golden State home crowd, still a tough place to play. You know, and in some cases, just as tough as it was you know, uh, in, in the, the earliest part of their, uh, their title runs, you know, 2015 and, and that era, you know, it's just as loud. Um, despite being a new arena, not having the mystique yet of the Oracle arena, um, Chase center still pretty loud place, pretty tough place to play. Um, so that can be a big part of it. And again, the warriors responded well, they did not have Draymond green, um, but Kavon Looney, uh, and, the whole Warriors team, you know, Steph Curry, these guys able to fill up, fill some of those gaps uh, and play well as a team. Excuse me. Uh, Curry, of course, led the way in scoring 36 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block, bringing a little bit of that defensive edge. Um, and of course, great shooting. Uh, six of 12 from three, 48% from the floor, um, made all his free throws. Phenomenal game. 
20 points from Andrew Wiggins. Again, continuing to be impressive um, despite not not really any action prior to the playoffs um, for you know a number of, of weeks and a couple of months. 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, uh, a block as well. Uh, Jordan Poole starting alongside Clay Thompson. So they went with um, you know, a little bit smaller at the, the guard, small forward type of spots, but Poole 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, and three steals. Thompson with 13 points, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. And then Kevon Looney, what a game. I mean, only four points. So that can be easy to write off, but it's not easy to write off 20 rebounds and nine assists. Huge game. Uh, he's always been an underrated part of their their team and what they're able to do. Off the bench, Moses Moody with 13 points, but Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench, um, kind of a shift to their lineup. He's been starting um, a little bit more in recent uh, recent games. Six points, seven rebounds eight assists and four steals. So that defensive impact, those steals being able to get on the break, get their offense going, um, you know, creating easy opportunities that along with some tough scoring off the bench, you know, hard points to come by for the Kings off the bench. That was really a big factor in this game. Again, credit to the Warriors, huge win for them. Restoring that confidence. They'll have Draymond back for game four. And uh, you know, you're looking to tie the series at home, Meanwhile, the Kings would love to get that game four victory. If they can go back to Sacramento, I said this already on Wednesday, but if they can go back to Sacramento up 3-1, then that place is going to be booming. Then that's going to be a great opportunity for them to try and win the series. But again, they've got to try and get this game four. And I think this game has every opportunity to go either way. Um the Warriors, you know, have a great opportunity to keep, you know, keep the status quo, keep up the scoring, the great team play, you know, getting opportunities on the break. But the Kings have, you know, every opportunity to rebound, uh, figuratively rebound off of that, uh, excuse me, that loss in game three. Um, in this game, you know, come come back have better bench play, you know, more of a little bit better all-round defense and uh, a little bit better rebounding, and uh, that's team route rebounding, I suppose, and, you know, get the and get the victory in game four. I think it can go either way, and that's going to be, you know, I've said this with a lot of games, but we've had a lot of great playoff series. This one, no different. That game four is going to be hugely exciting to watch for. Um, that will be, I believe, on Sunday. Let me go ahead and double check that. Make sure, yes, Sunday will be uh, game four for that series. So definitely one to stay tuned for. Finally, last game from Thursday's action, uh, the the Phoenix Suns winning in L.A. against the Clippers, 129 to 124. So now the Suns take the series lead on the road uh, in their game three, and they have a good position to try and win that series Um you know, especially with some news for the Clippers that we'll talk about in just a moment. But, um, you know, pretty back and forth in the first half. Suns took a bigger lead in the second half and were able to kind of hold a solid lead throughout that second half to be able to win this game. For the Clippers, um, no Kawhi Leonard in this game. 
And again, we'll talk a little bit more specific on that in just a moment. Um, in Kawhi's absence, huge scoring games from a trio of guys. Norman Powell starts it off 42 points with seven three-pointers, um, shooting 65% from the floor. Incredible game. And he also grabbed five rebounds, three assists, uh, got a block, contributed in a few ways, you know, getting the start in uh Kawhi's absence. That's a huge game. Westbrook huge as well. 30 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds, and three steals and a block. I mean, just filling up the stat sheet. Great percentages all around for him, too, in this game. Uh, and then also Bones Highland, 20 points off the bench, uh, two assists, a steal. You know, those guys all brought plenty of scoring for this game. Uh, so that was not an issue. Um, they also got 10 points from Terrence Mann. Um, perhaps a, con- a point of concern, you look at their starters, Eric Gordon, uh, seven points on the game with 31 minutes. Batum, 19 minutes in the game, zero points. Uh, he did have two blocks, still contributing. Zubats, 22 minutes in the game, six points, eight rebounds. Um that's maybe a factor, you know, you have guys picking up huge individual scoring games, but um, they're kind of the, you know, isolated scorers. And sometimes that can be a recipe for disaster. But, um, you know, you look at the Suns, they just had a little bit better all round game. You know, they had their own huge scores, but they had a little bit more balanced scoring outside of that. Um, and again, a huge game on the road. Devin Booker in particular uh, led the game 45 points in this game, uh, great percentages in his own right, six rebounds, three assists, and the defense, Booker's defense, especially in the series, has continued to impress me. Three steals and two blocks, that two-way play with the huge scoring. Um, you know, Durant has had the opportunity to simply be a, a complimentary player so far. Uh, 28 points, six rebounds, five assists, and two steals for him. That one-two combination we saw it in the regular season with their undefeated record in those few games with Durant and Booker. And this is kind of what we, you know, saw, you know, me in particular, but a lot of people as far as the Suns being a potential pick for a championship type team, or at least a team to come out of the West and go to the finals. That one, two punch is unbelievable. And you've got great pieces along alongside them. Chris Paul, 11 points, seven assists, six rebounds, three steals and a block continuing that defensive impact the Suns were able to have in this game. Uh, you know, similar to the Clippers Clippers had their own defensive standouts, but still, um, you know, great game for Chris Paul, Deandre Ayton, 12 points, 11 rebounds, uh, one steal, you know, solid, maybe a bit underwhelming, but still solid, uh, not really letting down the team in any sort of aspect. Torrey Craig, 15 points, you know, hit he, him getting some, uh, you know, some open looks getting, you know, some, some kickouts and things like that, that can be huge for Phoenix's offense as far as just providing those additional points. Um, you know, and then Josh Okogie, you know, not a huge scorer off the bench, but bringing some effort type of plays, 6.7 rebounds, two steals and assist. And, you know, um, and that's still a bit of a question mark for Phoenix, as far as the consistency of the bench, who are going to be those main guys you expect, you know, the points from the rebounds, you know, that sort of thing they're kind of figuring it out, fine tuning it maybe a little bit here in the, uh, in the first round of the playoffs, which um, to me is a little bit not ideal 
but it could work overall in the long run and not really matter. So uh, again, great win for Phoenix. Um, They will look to steal another road game in game four and try and put themselves in a position to win it in game five at home and, and close out that series. Um, And if the Clippers are without Kawhi Leonard already without Paul George, that's going to be a big ask. um, And that's going to, you know, that'll be tough for them. But again, Big win for Phoenix, and uh, that takes care of our our, our game summaries from the last uh, couple of days, the last six games. Of course, Friday's games, as I mentioned, we'll recap that mainly on Monday's show. But first, let's go ahead and dive into the latest news. Um, Firstly, our latest award winner uh, from the Boston Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon, has officially won the 2023 John Havlicek Sixth Man of the Year. Um, You know, and it's it's apropos. You think about last season, they introduced the conference finals uh, most valuable player in the inaugural year of that award in the West. It's the magic Johnson award in the East. It's the Larry bird award. And the inaugural winner of that was a Boston Celtic Jason Tatum. Well, now we have another inaugural um, award the inaugural John Havlicek six man of the year is won by you guessed it, a Boston Celtics. So, Kind of a fun one to see there for for the Celtics fans. That rich history, you know, integral to the part to the uh, fabric of the NBA. Uh, and again, congratulations to Malcolm Brogdon. Um, there were other players that had maybe some more electric individual games off the bench, but Brogdon was the most solid. He was continually a you know a, a contributor. He was always you know game one. Day one of the season, he was a six-man-of-the-year standout. Uh, consistency, great play off the bench, so certainly well-deserving of that award. Congratulations to him. Excuse me. Next, some news out of Toronto um, as they've gotten started on their off-season um, checklist, if you will. They started by uh, dismissing head coach Nick Nurse. Um a little bit of a surprise, honestly, on on my part. I kind of didn't expect this. Uh, this is he, he coached five seasons with Toronto, the first of those being uh, a championship winning season in 2019 uh, with the likes of Kawhi Leonard, you know, Kyle Lowry. We know all about that team. Great team. Um, as Toronto looks to kind of forge that next great Raptors squad, um, they're going to look at a different head coaching direction. They reportedly are uh, big fans of, Ime Udoka, he's one of the hot coaching commodities this offseason, so that'll be interesting to see um, which direction they go. But again, they've dismissed head coach Nick Nurse. Um, For the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, we talk about he missed game three, and he's going to remain out for game four uh, tomorrow on Saturday with that right knee sprain. This is an injury. He aggravated it in, (coughs) excuse me, aggravated it in game one of the series uh, played through it in game two, um, not related to the ACL injury that has that sidelined them for much of, you know, the prior seasons and uh, a lot of that time. It's a, it's a separate injury, which is good news for Clippers fans as far as him being able to try and rehab that and get back as soon as possible. But the bad news is again, if the Clippers are trying to win game four without him and they've already been without Paul George, against a Phoenix team that is very potent. Um, that's going to be a big ask. So definitely something to watch out for as we go forward, and especially with game four, how that all plays out. Uh, for the Sixers, Joel Embiid, of course, he was um, 
you know, he had the flagrant one, was close to an ejection, not not ejected in that game three. Um, he has already been ruled out for game four, um, surprisingly, uh, with a sprained knee in his own right. Um, first of all, not sure which knee. They didn't really specify that. But uh, more importantly, um, <coughs> oh, I do apologize. Random coughs coming out of nowhere. Um, the the good news for uh, for the Sixers, the Sixers fans, you know that that side of the camp, um, it's not reported as a ultra severe injury. Um, and uh, you, again, for the Clippers, they hope it's the same with Kawhi. But for for Joel Embiid in particular, um, they're anticipating he should be able to return as early as next week. So you know, just a few days of action. Uh, that'll miss, but again, missing that game four, that opens a window for Brooklyn. You know, they can win that game four, um, at the very least, prevent a sweep. Um, you know, that's not really their their you know long term goal. They'd like to win the series, of course, but um, it starts with winning game four, and uh, without Joel Embiid, you know, the Sixers are going to need other guys to step up. And that's a huge opportunity for Brooklyn. So definitely an, another thing to keep your eye on. Uh, next, some updates for uh, the couple of guards, uh, the duo of guards that were injured on the same day for their respective teams and have been big parts of you know, the storylines for those teams going forward. Firstly, for Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo's status for game three on Saturday remains uncertain, which is kind of, you know, both good and bad news as far as well. He he's not ruled out, but he has not been confirmed that he'll be able to play. So uh, game time decision. And similarly for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant's status for game three on Saturday is to be determined on game day. So both of those guys trying to get back as soon as they can. Uh, they're dealing with injuries that could allow them to return. <coughs> excuse me. Within uh, the series itself. Um, but those will be kind of day-to-day, game-to-game type decisions. Um, lastly, for Miami in the heat, uh, Tyler Hero, is, of course, he had surgery on that broken hand that he suffered in game one. Uh, now, the, you know, he's had that surgery. The news is he's going to be out at least six weeks uh, with that surgery. So depending on what happens, you know, if the heat go on an extended run, they're able to magically, not, I shouldn't say magically, they're, they're you know, a team with experience, they it's not entirely impossible for them to go second round, third round uh, in the playoffs. An extended playoff run could possibly bring in Tyler Hero's return into a playoff type window, um, but it's you know a little bit more likely that he's going to be out for the remainder of the playoffs. But you know something to keep in the back of your mind depending on how Miami is able to do in this first round series, let alone the, you know, the remainder of the playoffs, if that becomes a factor. Um, otherwise there's one last item. I didn't really write this in our, you know, news in general, kind of some talking points from doc rivers. Uh, it, you know, especially with his own Sixers squad, of course, with the Harden and Embiid situations, but he also referenced, uh, the Golden State situation, Draymond Green and Demonis Sabonis. Um, here's some of his direct quotes after that game three. Uh, quote, I'm going to say this and I probably shouldn't. I didn't think Draymond Green should have been suspended. Um, and I think the league is setting up a very dangerous precedent right now. 
and this is not me campaigning, and I'm dead serious. Uh, he continued later on, if we're going to start punishing the retaliators and not the instigators, then we've got a problem in this league. So so for Doc Rivers, he feels that there's um, players, you know, the wrong guys getting punished. It's kind of, you know, you think of LeBron summarized it this way in one of his uh, press conferences one time. You know, you're in school and uh, a friend tells you a joke and you laugh at the joke. You know, you laugh loudly and the teacher, uh, you're in class, the teacher catches you and he, you know, uh, the teacher reprimands you, you know, you're in trouble because they heard you, they heard the laugh. Um, But the friend that told the joke, who's, you know, they didn't hear them, they don't get in trouble. Kind of a thing, you know, something like that. Um, And I certainly sympathize with that. I think that's a a fair general assessment. Um, Case to case, these specific situations, um, you know, I'll be transparent with you. I did not have an opportunity to see the full net Sixers game three. So those individual incidents, I can't speak to the, I've already mentioned my thoughts on the green, uh, you know, Sabonis stomp. I felt it was out of line. It wasn't, you know, completely egregious. It wasn't completely horrendous, um, but it was unnecessary. Uh, you know, and especially it led to the bruised sternum led to a pretty, you know, a notable injury for a player. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the general premise, he's he's on the right mark as far as um, the league should be paying attention to what leads up to some of these type of things. You know, does a guy kick a player or or shove or whatever that action is? Out of nowhere, um, you know, 95% of the time, no, there's something that leads up to it. It's, you know, some talk between the two throughout the game. It's, you know, a guy getting away with some sort of a little, you know, a, a chicken wing or whatever it is under the basket on a rebound. It's some of these things back and forth. And then there's a retaliation by one guy, you know, kind of having enough it continues to escalate. And so, yeah, I think that general premise is is on the mark and and definitely something that the league should look into as far as um you know what can be done to kind of limit those escalations. Um so anyways, just wanted to come on, on that comment on that. It was a, a you know notable point. Um that being said, for my you know slightly old school perspective and my love of, you know, heated competition, the rivalries, that side of it could take a hit, but that's a bit more of a selfish thing. You know, I, as I say that I really, you know, realistically, you don't want guys hating each other on the court as far as, you know, retaliating physically, you know, hurting a guy, you don't want that. But um, generally I do like that really competitive level of play and so it kind of goes both ways but generally you know again um being able to identify a guy who's um starting things is probably a big key for the league to look into and and pay attention to going forward um with that that's really kind of the the main points i wanted to talk about we can summarize where series are at at this point um you know the uh 
we have um let's see let me double check where we're at here sorry just kind of making sure i have my complete thoughts here tonight friday night we've seen three more games uh finish up their their third game in their series um actually you know what that that's what i need to be talking about um again apologies i'm i'm kind of a little bit out of base here um but here's where we're at Let's go ahead and give you the summaries or the previews rather for the upcoming weekend because we've got, again, a lot of great basketball and we have a couple of series that have the potential to be closed, wrapped up over the next couple of days. Um, But it starts with Saturday. We have uh, firstly a couple of game fours and then uh, after those, we have a couple of game threes. We have four games total on Saturday. It starts on uh, TNT at one o'clock Eastern standard time. Again, all the times I will give for these games are in Eastern standard time. TNT at one o'clock game four Sixers and nets. Uh, Again, we're in Brooklyn nets hosting game for the Sixers up three. Oh, they have a chance to, uh, you know, sweep the series and try and move on to the next round. Meanwhile, the nets, uh, especially in the absence of the Sixers, Joel Embiid, um, the nets will try and, at the very least, prevent this from being a, a, a full sweep. You know, maybe make it the gentleman sweep, if you will. So that's game four in that series. Then after that, at 3.30, also on TNT, we're starting with the TNT doubleheader for these game fours. That second game at 3.30, uh, the LA Clippers hosting the Phoenix Suns. The Suns leading the series 2-1. to one. Um, You With this game, you're either going to get the Clippers tying the series, uh, stretching it to six or seven games, or you're going to have the Suns winning both games on the road and setting themselves up very, very well for uh, a game five to try and take the series in five games. And it's especially important to consider that the Clippers will be without Kawhi Leonard. Um, They're already without Paul George. Definitely a huge factor for them going forward. Then uh, at 7.30 on ESPN, we have a couple of, uh, we start our ESPN double of header for our game threes. 7.30 ESPN game three, uh, Miami hosting the Bucks. Uh, so this is the first game in Miami for that series. The Bucks, uh, if they have Giannis, they will at the very least try and steal that game. Um, you know, they they could be in a good position to win that. Meanwhile, if they don't have Giannis, uh, they're just going to try and survive, uh, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but either way, um, that's going to be an exciting one. And then at 10 o'clock, uh, the last game of that day uh, on Saturday, game three of the Lakers and the Grizzlies. This will be back in Los Angeles. Grizzlies on the road. That series is tied one-to-one, and now we get to see what is LeBron's response at home after the Dylan Brooks little sideshow, um, after the Grizzlies kind of upset the, the Lakers a little bit as far as they were without John Morant, and the Grizzlies were able to take advantage of some off nights for the Lakers. That'll be a great one to watch for. So, again, those are your four games on Saturday. Then on Sunday, we jump to a full slate of game fours. Firstly, at 1 o'clock um, on ABC, uh, we have – first, we have an ABC doubleheader, and then we have TNT doubleheader after that. Firstly, uh, 1 o'clock on ABC, we have the Knicks hosting the Cavaliers, and uh, this is where I'm going to get a little bit of a preview as far as these series records and what happened in tonight's games. 
the Knicks are currently up two to one after a, a game three home victory against the Cavaliers. Now the Knicks will look to see if they can win their second home game, extend that to three to one going back to Cleveland um, and put themselves in position to upset that series uh, as the five seed versus the four seed Cavaliers. Meanwhile, uh, Cleveland will look, look to bounce back, tie the series, get their own road to victory and, you know, make this a six or seven game series. Then at 3.30, uh, the Golden State Warriors will host the Sacramento Kings for their game four. Uh, the Kings, of course, looking to bounce back, get a game four victory, go home three to one. Uh, the Warriors looking to get their job done at home and uh, force this game, this series, likewise, uh, with some of the other series we've just talked about, force this to go six or seven games. Um, and especially with Draymond Green returning, that'll be key for them. Then at 7 o'clock, this one on TNT, starting your TNT doubleheader to 7 o'clock, the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Boston Celtics. uh, They will look to win uh, a second consecutive game at home and tie that series. Uh, Boston leading 2-1 to currently. They won uh, tonight against the Celtics. Um, And then again, the Celtics look to bounce back. Uh, Kind of a similar storyline for a lot of these games. But then at 9.30, on TNT, we have the Timberwolves hosting the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets won in Minnesota tonight against the Timberwolves to extend their lead to 3-0. And now the Nuggets will look to close out the series in Minnesota, while the Timberwolves will simply look to, um, you know, win a game at the very least, force a, um, you know, a game five, keep their hopes alive. Um, but it's dire straits for Minnesota. So that is your that's your game four to look forward to. And then when we get to Monday, this is where we get into, uh, well, firstly, uh, uh, we'll wrap up the game fours on Monday. Um, those times, the first of those, the time has not been announced yet. This will be uh, potentially a, a, a league pass affair. I, I doubt that. I imagine this will be a national broadcast of some sort. Um, but the the Bucks and Heat will play their game four um, in Miami on uh, Monday again, that time will be announced probably within the next day or so. Um, so that's one to watch out for. Then, uh, if necessary, we will see the uh, the Sixers and the Nets play back in Philadelphia. If the Nets are able to win on Friday or excuse me, on Saturday, um, then we'll go back to Philadelphia for a game five. But again, that's only if necessary. And then at, this one's confirmed as far as time and, uh, you know, those specifics. Game four of the Lakers and Grizzlies series will be at 10 o'clock on TNT on Monday night. Uh, again, currently series tied one to one, depending on what happens on Saturday. Um, these teams will have their own, you know, outlook as far as the series as a whole. So that's kind of your outlook for the next couple of days. Your your weekend going forward should be a great weekend. Um, and I'm excited to see where we're at on Monday. If we have some series that have closed up, if series are going to be going, you know, deep into, you know, sixth and seventh games, uh, it should be very interesting to watch out for. But otherwise, that, I believe, takes care of the bulk of our show. So let's go ahead and give you our... This day in history fact and wrap things up uh, for this day in history. We're going back to 1970, uh, April 21st of 1970, Bob Cousy of the Boston Celtics and Bob Pettit of the St. Louis Hawks were both inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Two of the greatest uh, pioneers of the game in the 50s and 60s, as far as, you know, early stars of the game that, you know, really kind of started to elevate the level of play, you know, multiple time MVPs um, had a, a true rebounding um, pioneer 
Kuzi, you know, the original great point guard, if you will, you know, a couple of greats and also a couple of the great Bobs in sports history. And that brings me up, brings up a little tangent. Um, I'll plug this. If you're someone who's a fan of this type of thing, you've probably already seen it, but John Boyce, who does, um, he's with secret base on, uh, you know, they have their own website. They have a YouTube presence, um, you know, sports writers. They, he has, um, a segment of his own, uh, YouTube series chart party in which he outlines the history of professional athletes named Bob. And you wouldn't think that something like that would be a very, uh, engaging show, but you know, he's one of the great guys, you know, not just YouTube, but you know, as far as, uh, sports writing, sports, uh, historian, sports storytelling, that's probably the best way to say it. Sports storytelling. He paints a phenomenal picture, really goes in depth into a variety of careers. He talks about, of course, hall of famers, guys who are pioneers, like, you know, Bob Cousy, he talks extensively about Bob Cousy in that, um, little series, but, you know, he also talks about some Bobs that you would have never heard about, but they all kind of contribute to that story and the fabric of sports. And so it's a great series, highly recommend it, highly recommend a lot of his work. Um, basically everything he's put his hands on, you know, Midas touch turns to gold and it's some of the great, uh, you know, sports content in general on YouTube. So definitely check it out. But, um, with that, that's the uh, the show for us today. I want to thank you all again for listening. Uh, we'll take this time to plug our Instagram page if you want to check that out. That's crossover or cross time, all one word. Uh, that's our profile name on Instagram. We share content from the show, and we also do our best to share content from across the NBA. Excuse me. So it's a great uh, all-in-one place, uh, of course, along with the podcast itself, to stay up to date on what's going on in the NBA as a whole. Um, so definitely check that out. Thank you again for your uh, extended support. Next week, of course, we'll be on the same schedule, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Monday, we'll recap the weekend action, give you the latest news, um, preview the week, and uh, check in with our brackets. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we will be back with you then. Thanks for listening. 